When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Berg Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Folks, thank you for taking the time on this Friday. I hope you've all a great week. I hope that your holidays have been fantastic. I hope that you're gearing up for a 2024. Uh, maybe hopefully this year's better. This upcoming year's better than last year for you. But we always can just drive onward and upward, as I always say, when people ask like, New Year's resolutions, for me, it's just always onward and upward. I want to thrive. I'm not looking to barely survive in case you're looking for some Hartmanisms, you know, like the Tomlinisms. So nonetheless, it is Friday, which means it in season. That is the Behind Enemy Line segment. So in the first half of this podcast, you're going to get Dan Viennes, who hosts the Seahawks Forever podcast. Had a great conversation with him. You're really going to love it. Brought up Super Bowl 40. Had to do it. He asked me some questions as well. That's going to come in the first half of the show. In the second half of the show is typically when I give you the all bets are off segment with Jeremy Betts. Jeremy uh, couldn't, we couldn't make our schedules sync up. Therefore, no all bets are off segment, but have no fear. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to give you the injury rundown of what we know now. I'm uh, going to talk about AFC North picks and predictions. We're going to get, I'm going to give you my prediction for this upcoming game against the Seattle Seahawks in Week 17. And, of course, we're going to finish the show with a very special heart-to-heart. So, with all that being said, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Dan Viennes, Seahawks Forever podcast host, talking all things Week 17. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, folks, it is time for another Behind Enemy Lines segment here on the Friday morning show on the Let's Ride podcast. And I'm excited to have Dan Viennes on from the Seahawks Forever podcast to talk about Week 17 opponent for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Seattle Seahawks. Dan, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. We've been uh, chatting about this for a while or about some other things Mm -hmm. and following each other on Twitter. So it's good to finally get together for a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of those contests where there is some history between these two teams. I mean, you talk about Super Bowl 40. I know Seattle fans still like to talk about Super Bowl 40. Uh, but nonetheless, there, there's some history also within the current roster and, and former Steelers that are there. Uh, but I do want to ask about Super Bowl 40 before we get started. I'm not going to bring up the game and talk about specific plays or anything like that. But the, from the fan perspective, like when the Seahawk fan hears anything about the Steelers, the response is what? Refs, calls. <laughs> it, I mean, that's it. And I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to anyway, just kind of as to give some context uh, yeah. to your to your listeners and viewers. It's uh, I'm one of those rare ones. I'm in the mi- minority that from the day that that game happened, I've never blamed it on the refs. The the Seahawks lost that game completely on their own. It, it really came down to a a badly blown coverage on a trick play. 
and uh, a horrendous interception from Matt Hasselbeck when when we were driving late with a chance to to take the lead. And you know the the detractors will say, yeah, but that interception came after the miss uh, the holding call on Sean Locklear on the throw to Jeremy Stevens down at the one, and so it, one led to the other. It's still yeah. even with some of the things we were up against in that game and. And uh, losing our uh, Marquan Manuel as our starting safety certainly didn't help during the game, but we lost that game all on our own. It, it doesn't make it that much easier to accept, um, but I think it's ridiculous to blame that game on the refs. And and also while I'm at it, like the offensive PI call against Daryl Taylor or uh, Daryl Taylor is on our current roster, uh, but it's it absolutely was the right call. You know, it doesn't get called all the time, but that doesn't mean it right. wasn't a penalty. So Seahawks fans, if they're listening to this, can just, you know, just need to finally put that to bed. And since then, they have won a Super Bowl, so that might lessen the blow a little bit. It's not like they're the Browns who have never even won one, but that's neither here nor there. Let's yeah, talk and, about- and also, we we have since then uh, acquired another Super Bowl loss that is much more painful. And so <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into that one. <laughs> makes it easier to forget Super Bowl for you, all right, let's talk about this upcoming game, Week 17. I find it very intriguing for so many reasons. Both of these teams are still clinging to playoff hopes. The Seattle approach, I feel, I think they're, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not as keen on the a- NFC as I am the AFC. Their road to the postseason is much more cleaner than Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh's got to win out. And they need some help. Um, but still, 8-7, and seven, there's been some good. There's been some bad this season. In terms of where you feel the team is heading, in terms of trajectory, Mike Tomlin loves to talk about their arrows pointing up or down. Where is the arrow pointing for the Seahawks heading into Week 17, in your opinion? I think the most frustrating part about following, covering, rooting for the Seahawks this year has been that that arrow has just been flatlined. It's just been it's just been heading horizontally. Um, it's a team that doesn't feel like it's as good as the sum of its parts should be, at least that most of us feel it should be. That the pieces are there, that the, the roster's talented. Uh, it's pretty balanced. It's young. There's some dynamic talent there. Um, but they just have it hasn't all come together. And that's that's not really like what we're used to seeing from a Pete Carroll coach team. They typically get better as the season goes along. And and that doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe it is, and 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 that's why I'm so intrigued by this matchup Sunday, because you know coming out of that really really tough four game stretch that the Seahawks had against the best in the NFC, and and they've strung together a couple of wins now, and and you, and you get tantalized by by the little bits and pieces that you see. But if this team wants to have any confidence going into the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, that they could do some damage, we need to see a clean game. We need to see one complete performance against either the Steelers or the Cardinals, preferably both, obviously. Um, and, and and so it's that's the frustrating thing here in Seattle is we just haven't seemed to get over the hump and put all the pieces together on defense and offense. And I, I'm intrigued by this game too, it, because the, the closer I look at it, the harder I look at it, there's just a ton of similarities, an yeah. incredible amount of parallels between the paths these two teams are on. So I can't wait to get to Sunday. Well, if you're talking about parallels, are the Seahawks on offense as boring as the Steelers are on offense? Because the Steelers have only put up over 30 points one time this year, and it happened last yeah. week against the Bengals at home with, guess who, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Right. So <laughs> not really headlining headline stuff there, but um, is the offense of the Seahawks, how are they looking? Is Geno Smith back to full health? Like, what, what What's the deal there? 
Yeah, Steeler fans must be kind of uh, wondering if they really saw what they saw on Sunday, right? Yeah. After just explosive plays all over the field in that one, where were those, right? Um, I guess they were sitting on the bench, maybe on the on the end of the quarterback room. Um, yeah, Seahawks have been different in that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's ever boring. It just uh, it seems dysfunctional at times, and and it seems disconnected. At times, we're used to seeing, you know, Pete Carroll football teams be able to run the football consistently, and they've invested a ton in running backs the last couple of years and in offensive line, and um, and, and it just hasn't come together this year. We've seen we see little, again, we see teases, uh, we see a play here or there or a quarter here or there, but we haven't seen a complete game where the run game has really dictated things. When we do see it, then it all seems to work better such as in the third quarter, especially but in the second half against the Eagles, they were able to kind of dictate terms, be physical and own the line of scrimmage. And we haven't seen that enough this year. When that's happening, uh, then everything else seems to to work in sync, which, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. That's probably the case for most teams in the NFL. But um, the frustrating part from our end of when the Geno Smith injury occurred is after some early season struggles, it really seemed like he had found something and, and um, some things were clicking for him. He was playing exceptionally well. Um, hopefully what we saw in the second half against the Titans, certainly in that game-winning drive, will carry over um, because for for whatever other people around the country might think may have been a quarterback controversy here because Drew Locke pulled off that win on Monday Night Football against the Eagles. Uh, we never felt like there was one here. Geno's the guy and Certainly, if we're going to get into the playoffs and do any damage, he needs to be playing well. Yeah, and when I think of Seattle, and, and I think they have a tremendous receiving core with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Smith and Jigba, like a really good top three, in my opinion. Everyone always thinks about defense, and it's probably the Legion of Boom era and, and all the great defensive sure. units they've had there. But I, I don't know much about this current defense. I'm asking you because, well, I, Steelers don't play FC West too often. Um, yeah. What's the defense for Seattle looking like? Not good. Uh, yeah. That's that's really been this the storyline of the season. Is um, there was they were so bad last year, particularly against the run, um, and 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 then the the pass rush has been so inconsistent that they completely changed over their defensive line personnel in this offseason. Um, and, and, you know, got rid of everyone that was here, brought in a whole new crew, went out and handed out the largest free agent contract they've ever handed out to Draymond Jones, um, drafted a couple defensive linemen, brought Jaron Reed back, Mario Edwards, and just completely changed that group. Um, and then brought Bobby Wagner back into the fold in, in particular to try to address the run defense. We were excited about the young cornerbacks, the young secondary talent there was some enthusiasm about jamal adams potentially coming back from injury this year so there was a lot of positive vibes around this team the first couple months of the season and it looked early on like the defense was was improved and then uchenna nuosu went down and then teams seemed to start figuring out how to attack us and it's been it's been better the last couple of weeks but it still hasn't been good they um they're a little too easy to run the football against they play a lot of zone coverage that most of us feel like isn't aggressive enough. Um, teams can move the football against the Seahawks. Um, it's it, It's been frustrating. Now, that being said, Jamal Adams has been out the last couple of weeks and things have gotten better. So I'll let you kind of... <laughs> 
do the well, math. I have to, <laughs> since we're talking about defense, I have to ask you about two former Steelers that the Steelers could be seeing big time uh, next this Sunday is Artie Burns, which I didn't even know he's still in the league. And yeah. Devin Bush, of course, very familiar with him. And I have to say this, you know, I used to work for SB Nation and when Devin Bush was sold, fifth year option was not being picked up and he was going to be a free agent. When he signed with Seattle, I was asked five questions from an opposing editor. I'm not with them anymore. I'm not with Vox Media at all. But when I asked them, they, they kept on asking questions. You have first round pick, top 10 pick. Yes, all those things are true. But I painted a picture of a guy who's not the same athlete that he was when he was drafted out of Michigan in 2019. He's not the same player since he tore up his knee. And I was said, oh, you are you are just mad that you let him go. <laughs> no, they had contractual options for him and they chose not to take them. There was a reason why. I don't know if Devin Bush has done much of anything. Has he for Seattle? I think I looked at his stat line. It was pretty mundane as if he doesn't see the field very often. Yeah, it's been an unusual year. Very up and down. There have been weeks where he's been a healthy scratch just because, um, it, first of all, when he when he was brought in, it was primarily as a hedge against Jordan Brooks not being 100% to start the season. Coming off okay. a former first-round draft pick, coming off an ACL injury. Um, you know, I know there's been advancements in medicine, but it, it was unbelievable to see him not only out there for week one, but without a knee brace running full speed. And until he re-injured his ankle this week against Tennessee, uh, I think it was playing the best football of his career. It was remarkable. So, so that took away some opportunities for Devin Bush. And then there were times where the Seahawks, who primarily now are a 3-4 team, they've kind of transitioned the last couple of years. Um, so they mostly only play with two down linebackers. Uh, there were times, though, against certain teams, and this last Sunday in Tennessee was one of them, where... Devin Bush started the game alongside Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner, and they went to more 4-3 stuff okay. uh, in obvious rundowns. So it's it's been very hit and miss based on uh, based on that week's game plan. When he has played, he's been fine. I, yeah. I mean, he's better than any other linebacker they have on the roster. He's better than John Radigan or Patrick O'Connell or Drake Thomas, who uh, some promising young guys, but uh, he hasn't. He hasn't been a liability, certainly, yeah. uh, after Brooks went down Sunday. He seems, you know, to be moving fine. He seems to be, you know, sideline to sideline. And and I'm not as familiar with his career in Pittsburgh, obviously, as you are. But I do know that he had a dynamic rookie year. And before yes. the injury, he was an explosive player. His Michigan tape is phenomenal. It's so much fun oh, to yeah. watch. He's not Absolutely. that player. But I think he's he's fine. He's on a one-year deal. He's a guy that'll probably spend the rest of his career. It kind of feels like doing that. Um, and maybe there's even an opportunity for him to come back to Seattle again next year because Bobby has said he's going to be year-to-year, and and it kind of feels like this might be the last one. Um, and Jordan Brooks' contract status is up in the air, too. They declined his fifth-year option after he was hurt. So, But we may find out a lot more this weekend because it sure doesn't seem like Brooks is going to play, and so Devin Bush would be in line to start next to Bobby. That's really interesting. Now you had told me uh, before we before we came on the air, you had some questions for me, uh, for your listeners out there that you're going to repurpose this yeah. audio. Do you have anything on the top of your head that you want to pick my brain about? Yeah, I mean, primarily, I want to know uh, how you feel about the quarterback situation because from afar, first of all, it's such an interesting quarterback room. It might be the deepest quarterback room in the league. But are any of these guys franchise quarterbacks? You know, the old saying that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I, I yeah. guess that applies even more when you have three. You have, you know, 
two first round draft picks and what was Mason Rudolph a second or a third? I mean, third. Was, they got him in the yeah. third, 2018. Yeah. Uh, after a prolific college career at Oklahoma State, it's um, and you know there was a time where he was thought of as the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger at one time. Correct. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. never been a huge Kenny Pickett fan. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a perception thing because the gloves. I mean, he, I know he's got the small hands. It just doesn't feel like he has a an electric or a dynamic arm to play at this level. But he has his moments. My thought is when when I saw there was a report last week that he was in line to start this week. Now it seems more uncertain. Is that because of Rudolph's performance Sunday? And they're not sure. Where do you stand on the quarterback? Which one would you prefer to have out there on Sunday? I think that uh, I think you have to go with the hot hand if that's what you want to call it. You you put up thirty points for the first time since I think two. Well, they had the best offensive performance since almost two thousand and seventeen. And that's yeah. how I mean. You have to go back to like Ben Roethlisberger's in his in his prime. We're not talking 2020 Ben Roethlisberger in the waning years of his career. Um, but it, it's been a rough stretch for quarterback play since Roethlisberger hung it up. And the Steelers are still like you, you yeah, maybe deep, but it's deep with mediocrity. Like none of these guys are going to light the world on fire. Uh, you just hope that you're putting out the best player to give your team the best chance to win. And I think you can't underscore the fact that. Kenny Pickett was limited all last week. Some quarterbacks, like I mentioned, Roethlisberger, are good enough to not practice and still be able to get in there and play. Kenny Pickett is in his second year. He's not that guy yet. He still needs to practice throughout the week. So unless there's been some improvement, and I said this to all the Steelers fans that wanted to listen, the fact that he wasn't even dressed, he was inactive on Sunday. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the quarterback three emergency, you know, only break the glass if an emergency. He wasn't even that. So that tells me, told me before Mason Rudolph put up 34 points, threw for two touchdowns and all that fun stuff, which was a lot of fun to watch. He wasn't there, Kenny Pickett. He wasn't there health from a health standpoint. So when, when Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday, Mason's our guy, we'll see how the week goes with Kenny. My hope is that Kenny Pickett is QB two in the game. Mason gets the start. That's what I think. I mean, it certainly appears that he might have unlocked George Pickens' ceiling. I mean, I mean, after a yeah. kind of a weird season for Pickens, and then there was the whole controversy the week before with the, you know, making the business yeah. decision on not blocking and that whole thing. Talk about coming back from that in in a strong way. Uh, and then I wanted to ask you about the running game because that's that has been the Achilles heels heel of the Seahawks this year, at least since Nwosu's injury. Uh you know, a couple of good backs there, Najee Harris and, and Jalen Warren. Uh, but it, it it looks like, you know, nothing pops off the page. It looks like it's been a little inconsistent. What's the yeah. state of the running game there? So if you go back prior to the Bengals win on Saturday last week, they had that three-game losing, losing streak to Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots, and the Indianapolis Colts. And in none of those games did they ever have a consistent running game when the Steelers can run the ball and against Cincinnati, they didn't blow the doors off the Bengals in the ground game. They ran for 113, averaging 3.8 yards per carry. That's not earth shattering. Those aren't earth shattering numbers. However, they were able to run it well enough that it kept everything in balance and they ran it well in the second half when they're just trying to kill the clock because you're up 34 to 11. So the Steelers, when they can run the ball is when they have success because they're not going to have to rely on their quarterback play, which is a bunch of mediocrity, in my opinion. So they're going to come into Seattle and they're going to try and run the ball. And if they have success, it's going to be the best way to set up the team, both offensively and defensively, for them to be able to do what they want, control the clock, control the time of possession, and hopefully leave with a win, keeping their playoff hopes alive. We'll see if they can do it, though.
And then I wanted to ask you about the defense, because when we think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, traditionally, we think of really, you know, hard-nosed physical defenses that usually rank in the top third of the league. This year, in, in yeah. a lot of key statistics, they're kind of middle of the pack. And in, in some, you know, yards per game metrics, they're top of the bottom third. That's We're not used to seeing that, and yet T.J. Watt has, what, 17 stat, sacks? 17 sacks. 17 on the season. Highsmith's got another seven or eight. Like, those pieces are still there. What has it been? that's kind of uh, kept the defense from from living up to past Steeler standards. I, I honestly think that Mike Tomlin, who's a defensive guy, obviously, he's looked at this team when they constructed the roster through free agency in the draft, which they had a great draft this year. But they're young. Those guys are young. And Joey Porter Jr. is coming into his own. But you're asking Patrick Peterson to be a fixture in the secondary. Like he's at the waning years of his career. Like you can't ask him to be the Patrick Peterson of 2015 even. And so I think he said, we're going to build a defense that is bend don't break. Like we are going to be an opportunistic group. We're going to rely on the big play. So TJ Watt is a big part of that in his pass pressure. The, and again, like I got talked about the running game for the offense on, on defense. It is the ability to take the ball away. I just talked about this on my Wednesday podcast. The Steelers are have well, they're tied for first in turnover differential of plus ten. So when they take the ball away and they win that differential, they've only lost one game in that regard. When they lose the differential, they've lost every single time. So it's one of those situations where the Steelers, when they can get the ball back to that offense, even though they might need a couple extra possessions, that's the recipe for them to win. And so they're going to rely on Highsmith and Watt to if not get to the quarterback, maybe a hurried throw, an errant throw. And they've done it themselves. I mean, they have. I mean, they've scored touchdowns themselves. And Highsmith came up with a beautiful interception last week of Jake Browning. So they're capable. But the defense is, is bend, don't break. They're going to give up the yards. And, and it's almost as if they've said, that's fine. As long as we keep you out of the end zone and hold you to field goals and not touchdowns that's where they want to thrive. And, and they have done that for the most part. And when the yeah. offense has responded even a little bit, it's, it's, equate to vict- it's equated in victories. We'll put it that way. Is Mink uh, going to be good to go? You know, uh, I, I'm not sure. He says he's going to be limited this week. I, I would say, but that's, hmm. it's, it's early for that. We'll see. We will see, but I don't know. I want to ask you quickly before we end this segment here, current line Steelers are getting three and a half on the road. And the total of 41 and a half. I don't need a score prediction. I'm just asking you how you think the game's going to play out. God, it's so hard to tell with these two teams. I want to say, um, I think there's a good chance it would be the under. That it would be a similar game to what we saw the Seahawks play in Tennessee this weekend. Where it's kind of kind of ugly, kind of a mutter type game. It's supposed to be some rain Sunday, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be significant rain. I don't think it's going to impact the game all that much. But but it just feels like both these teams have had a hard time really uh, dialing in what they want to do on offense and on, and on defense, they can, you know, Seahawks are built the same way. You know, they're much better in the red zone than they are between the twenties. And uh, although they give up more points than the Steelers do or or have this year, I can see it being one of those ugly games, similar to what the Seahawks have played the last couple of weeks that, that comes down to the fourth quarter. I just don't see either of these teams coming out and, and dominating the other because that's, that's not what we've seen this year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, Dan, I want to give you an opportunity to plug social media, uh, websites, anything that you're doing right now that you might want to draw attention to. Go ahead. Do that now. 
I appreciate that. Uh, on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, if you want to follow me there and get in on some debate and some discourse. Uh, and then Seahawks Forever, the podcast, available on all the audio platforms wherever you listen to podcasts, and also uh, the Seahawks Forever YouTube page. Uh, you can watch the video versions over there. There you go. Dan, thank you for your time. Enjoy the game. Hopefully, I'll be talking to you soon. Take it easy. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate having me on. Steeler fans, welcome back. Big thanks to Dan for taking the time and joining me and, and asking questions. I love the little back and forth we had there. It was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty with this Pittsburgh Steelers upcoming opponent in Seattle. This is a weird one. You know, you talk about the Great Northwest. In case you haven't ever paid attention to this, and maybe you haven't, uh, for people that cover the team, like myself, Dave Schofield, you, whenever the Steelers are playing a team out west, the injury reports are always unbelievably delayed being released. And so it, when you normally get these around 4 p.m. Eastern time, you're talking about not getting them until 6, sometimes later. So right now, as I record this, due to my kids' basketball practice and the Steelers preview coming up, um, which is I'm recording this on Thursday, obviously, uh, I, I didn't have time to wait for the Thursday injury report to come out. So what I'm going to do is I just want to share with you what happened on Wednesday and there, there wasn't a ton to write home about. Uh, it's a Wednesday report. It's week 17. You're going to have players that are limited and didn't practice. So I'll read you that just to give you an idea. Kenny Pickett with an ankle was limited again. Uh, safety Trenton Thompson returned to practice, although on a limited basis with his stinger, the neck injury. Najee Harris, who's been getting some days off every single week with a knee injury, didn't practice. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't practice with his knee injury. Landon Roberts, who's already been ruled out. Didn't practice, and Isaac Samalo, very much like Najee Harris, did not practice with a shoulder injury. Really important to note, Landon Roberts did meet with media on Thursday, and he said that the Steelers, you know, there's a chance he could be back against Baltimore, which is phenomenal. That means that pectoral injury is not a really, really severe one. They could benefit from getting Trenton Thompson back. Everyone's talking about Kenny Pickett. Everyone's talking about Kenny Pickett, who was asked, hey, did you learn anything being on the sideline and watching and all this stuff? And he was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, what, what would he learn? I mean, you got to think this is the guy that was the quarterback one from the moment spring camp started all the way through training camp, through the preseason and the regular season. And so just because he's injured and up in the booth, you're not going to learn a whole lot. I mean, he's learning that stuff, that type of the that's that X's and O's aspect of the game in meetings and stuff like that he's not going to learn much from standing on the sideline at that point in his career. He is going to learn by doing, he's going to learn by going out there. So there's a lot of people all up in arms about this. I'm not sure why. Nonetheless, that's your injury report. I'm not sure. I, again, I hate not having this Thursday injury report, but there are reports that the Seahawks could be playing a lot of Devin Bush and Artie Burns. Something I brought up in the first half. What will that look like for the Steelers? You know, will that pan out? I don't know. Let's talk some predictions, right? Week 17, the Jets and Browns played on Thursday night, so we're not going to talk about that game. The biggest game that's not a Steelers game, though, has to be Miami Dolphins 
at the Baltimore Ravens. This is a very important game in terms of AFC playoff seeding. Both have clinched a playoff spot already, but it's insane how the, the race to the number one seed is going to come between these two teams. And it's interesting how the Dolphins, they never seem to play big in big moments. You've seen them have these offensive outbursts that are just phenomenal to watch. 70 points against Denver definitely highlighted the season for them. And it was a situation where even last week, if they beat the Dallas Cowboys, only score 22 points. The offense never really looks like the juggernaut a lot of people expected. Kudos to Dallas's defense. That makes me question whether they can get the job done in Baltimore. You know, last week was in, it was in South Beach. This is not South Beach. M&T Bank Stadium is a different venue, not only from a weather perspective. I live in Maryland uh, this weekend, not supposed to be really warm. It's going to be windy near you're near the Under Harbor. I just think that this is a game that doesn't play well for the Miami Dolphins. I don't know and I don't trust that offense to travel well. I don't trust them to play well in these type of conditions. The Baltimore Ravens are built for this. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. The defense is playing well, playing really fast, taking the ball away. If the if the Miami Dolphins are going to win this game, they are going to need big-time contributions from Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill. The big-name players are going to have to step up in a big way. And obviously, by proxy, that's Tua. You know, but we haven't heard much about the running game. You know, Mostert, uh, HN, all those players, haven't heard much about them the second half of the season, they're going to have to get those going or else it's going to be tough sledding. I'm going to take the Ravens to actually win in this one. And a lot of Steelers fans would say you should be rooting for the Ravens because if the Ravens win, they lock up the number one seed, which is a first round buy. Then there's a chance they don't play their starters. Let's say if there's a banged up player, you might want to give him extended rest or you might want to limit the amount of time your starters play. Dave Schofield talked about this on the stat geek on Thursday that maybe they play Lamar Jackson for, say, a series or two to treat it almost like the preseason and then get him out of the game. Nonetheless, take them take those players out of the game because it doesn't matter if they win or lose. The Steelers, if they beat Seattle on, on Sunday, they could win that game. They need to win both if they really want to have a good chance of getting into the postseason. So we'll see how that goes. I like the Ravens to win on Sunday. And that's a 1 o'clock kickoff, so I'm kind of bummed I'm not going to get to watch much of that game, if any at all. The next game is going to be Sunday at 425. That is the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are coming off maybe one of their worst losses of the regular season, losing 34 to 11 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mason Rudolph, Jake Browning coming back down to earth. You know, Jake Browning has, I believe, two losses since he started, and they were both against the Steelers. Kansas City's defense is, I don't think they're that great. Looks like Jamar Chase is going to play. They're going to need all those weapons. And the Kansas City Chiefs are, they're a team that just doesn't look right. The Philadelphia Eagles don't look right, but the, the Chiefs look worse. And the Chiefs are a team that right now you see Patrick Mahomes, you see Travis Kelsey, and even some Andy Reid moments where they're kind of throwing little tantrums. They're not happy. They're, they're not sure what's going on. They're not sure how to, how to handle this. I, I'm not saying the Bengals win this game. I think the Chiefs find a way. They're going to win. They're probably going to clinch the AFC West and the Cincinnati Bengals playoff hopes probably died in Pittsburgh last week. Nonetheless, I think the chiefs finalize it. Chiefs win this game. 
The Bengals don't. If Burrow was healthy, this is a different story. He's obviously not. I'll take the Chiefs. So let's talk about the game everyone cares about the most. Seattle, Pittsburgh, in Seattle, the 12th man. Very tough environment. This is going to be a situation where when you think about it, you're going to want a veteran quarterback. While Mason Rudolph hasn't played in Seattle before, he's played against the Seahawks. He's also been in some environments and been around the league enough to know, like, this is going to be tough. Working the silent count. There's going to be a lot of issues with that type of stuff when you go to Seattle. It always has been, always will be. But venue aside, the one thing I learned, not just from Dan speaking with him in the first half, that this Seattle team is not the Seattle Seahawks we're used to seeing. Go back to Russell Wilson when he was in Seattle. You go back to the Legion of Boom defense. This isn't that. That's not them. This is not that team. I think this team can be had. It's going to be more difficult at home, Seattle's home, but it this is a team that can be had. Their playoff hopes are definitely on the line as well, so there's a lot riding on this game for both teams. To remind you of the spread, Steelers are getting three and a half points here on the road with a total of 41 and a half. Now, that's a pretty low total for me. I actually think this one's going to go over. Uh, I, I I do like the Steelers. I know everyone that's listening, shock, shock served around the world. And you're crazy. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I like them 27 to 21. I, the one question that comes through my mind is how does Mason Rudolph play in this game? Does he look like more second half against Cincinnati Mason Rudolph where he didn't make as many plays. They didn't ask him to make as many plays. They definitely corralled the, the deep throws and stuff like that. Is that what the way it's going to look, or is it going to look more like the first half? Or are we going to see that Mason Rudolph that we do see sometimes where things start to snowball and get away from him? I'm also really curious if Kenny Pickett will be dressed for this game or not. Last week, he wasn't even dressed for the game. Therefore, he was not healthy enough to even be an emergency quarterback. So I'm curious if Kenny Pickett, if they say, look, and this is something, again, Dave Schofield brought this up, I think, on the Scobro show with his brother, Rich, where he said, if he's healthy enough to be the QB two, that doesn't mean it's a demotion. It just means that maybe he's a week away. They don't want to push him back. We'll see how it plays out. Nonetheless, I do like the Steelers 27, 21. The question will be is Mason Rudolph stay in the whole game. If he plays poorly, does Kenny come off the bench? I don't know. That one could get interesting, but I have to get 27, 21 Steelers win. Okay, folks, let's finish this up like we always do with a heart-to-heart. You know, I've seen a lot of people out there, especially after the win last week. And I say a lot. That's not the majority. And a lot could just be the people I see every now and then on my feed saying, man, I feel like the Steelers lost because they won. So they're now 8-7, and seven, but let's just go down the path of if they were to have lost the game and now they're 7-8 and eight, and they're probably all but eliminated from the postseason, and maybe they win a game and finish 8-9, and nine, whatever. If they finish 8-9 and nine down the stretch, or if they finish 9-8, and eight, the whole premise of people saying, I feel like they lost because they've won, was based solely around, it, it was based 100% around draft order. And my message today is, the draft order, do you really think that's going to make that big of a difference? I mean, you might be talking about a couple draft picks. A couple draft picks. Now, yes, there's going to be those people that say, well, two draft picks could mean a world of difference based on 
what your team needs are and what the people in front of you might need, all that stuff. I get it. For me, though, I look at it and say, unless you're talking about a top 10 pick, which the Steelers would not be near that even before this game on Saturday, last Saturday against the Cincinnati Bengals, if they're not even near that, then I want them to win. If it's not a situation where it's like, man, this season is going south in a hurry, then I just, hey, might as well get the best draft pick you can. Let's shoot for the top 10. Last year, when they were 2-6 and six, heading into the bye week, I understood why fans thought that way. At 2-6, and six, you are looking at the potential of having a draft pick in or around the top 10. That is a difference. They rally. They end up drafting later. We all know the story by now. However, when you're already 7-7, seven and seven, you're not sniffing the top 10. Even if you lose all three and finish 7-10, and 10, you're still not going to be in the top 10. Not when some of the teams in this league are so bad this year. When you're talking about the Carolinas, the Arizonas, the New Englands. I'm not going to go any further because I just named two teams that beat this team. I don't want to bring any more up. But you get what I'm saying. So if the if the draft order is not going to change drastically, then I want the team to win. Win. Get the experience. If they get into the playoffs, who knows what can happen? The Steelers get a couple turnovers. Talked about that on Wednesday and how important that is for the Steelers in terms of wins and losses. If they get a couple takeaways. You never know what could happen. Never know what could happen. So no, I'm not one of those guys. I cannot get on board with that camp. Never, never have, never will, can't do it. Cannot do it. So there's your heart to heart. I'm going to root this for this team to win in the final two weeks. Whether they get in or not, well, that depends. But I want them to win these final two weeks. Okay, that does it for me. Sunday, I'm going to be back in the postgame show with Brian and Dave talking about all things Steelers-Seahawks. I will be back on Monday because now we don't have that Saturday game and I don't have to do a winners and losers podcast for Sunday and then another podcast for Monday. No, back to the regular schedule. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And I hope you are looking forward to the game. New Year's Eve. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's do this thing. In the meantime, you know we finished it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. See you on Sunday. Go Steelers.